brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a Midi clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. It was as if a river of red and white had swept across our country. The athletes have connected with each and every one of you like never before. Whether it be John Montgomery's victory march through Whistler with that now famous pitcher of beer, or Melissa Hollingsworth's tearful apology after missing the podium. You know, in the past, to cynics, we would have said, you know, how Canadian. Tonight, we say with pride, yes, very Canadian, sincere, heartfelt, and with a deep love for this country. Sportsfeld story time, and we have exhausted ourselves of talking about being disappointed in Toronto sports teams. I think I think we're in the we're in the mood for a victory. <laughs> we're in the mood for some nationalism, for some feel good. Uh, no, we're in the mood for um, something we had memories of of our like being quasi grown ups and feeling good about sports. I think is sort of uh, for me what the big impetus is here. Where it was because we talked we talked during the Raptors content earlier uh, in one of these months, and you made mention to the 2010 Olympics sort of being the only time that we had any positive association with any sports team, and that blew my mind, but you're absolutely correct. Yeah, like, I'm trying to think of, like, it's. I guess I measure impactful sports moments over, like, what the bar experience was for it. <laughs> Uh, or like the or like the watching experience. Yes. But like the if I rack my brain pre twenty thirteen, I guess it's like one time in university I watched a World Juniors gold medal when I cared about those, and this, and that's it. Uh, the this we are referencing is the twenty ten Team Canada. Gold medal in men's ice hockey. Um, before we even get into it, I should, we should mention that the women's ice hockey team 
just as, if not more, exciting for all of these exciting uh, men's hockey teams, it's, the, the, the women's funny, Canada USA games. It's funny you say that um, because I was going to mention this when we're not recording the episode, but whatever. Uh, I was going to suggest we do the 2010 women's for the next one. Yeah, and also uh, also on our short list of ones that we sort of batted around was the uh, women's Olympic soccer, the, the yeah. classic yeah. Christine Sinclair. Um, I believe the, the arrival of the sport as one of the top rivalries that we have in this country. But no, to set the stage, 20, uh, 2010, uh, the dawn of a new decade, uh, 2010, by the math, a little back of the napkin math here, 20... Four years old I was. I was. I was in my 25th year, but I had not yet turned 24 because these happened at the beginning. Uh, I guess the roster releases in December, and then the games themselves uh, in the early part of the year. Yeah, I guess I was in my 22nd year, but was not yet. No, yes, my 22nd year but was not yet 22. I think. So you are you are just beginning your watching bars watching games and bars sort of era because I was in college for two thousand and six, the forgotten Olympics, bad Olympic experience. I want to say that was Turin, Italy. That was yes, I believe you're correct. I was twenty one and did not watch any of it. Which, considering the fact that I was super into two thousand two and super into two thousand ten, is a little bit surprising. Yeah, I actually feel like. I was kind of the same. Like I don't I re- remember anything about that team. No, and like I rem- I remember being frustrated and mad about it when they lost. But if you were to ask me, like anything about the tournament or even who was on the roster, I could not tell you. And I don't rem- like I remember. Obviously, I was too young to be in a bar, but like I remember where and with who I watched the two thousand two gold medal game. Yes, I have. No memory of watching any of the 2006 tournament. Well, they also didn't have a one big game, right? Didn't they flame right. out? Yeah, they I think pretty they lost crappy. in the quarters, I want to say. Uh, Brian McCabe was on that team. That's sort of the only thing I have mm. in terms of things that I definitely remember about the 2006 team. But um, sort of talk about 2016 quickly. They, they, as you said, they were... Um, Unimpressive. They lost two group stage games. Lost one game to Switzerland, which is a horror. And they were eliminated by the... Rivals, Russia, who at that point, I mean, not at that, at that point, historically, Canada's biggest rival in hockey, though I think this era, 2002, 2010, and, and forward, sort of begins the era of the United States being Canada's biggest rival at hockey. Yeah, and I mean, I like 2002 was also against the States, but I feel like that was more, that one was like, we are expected to. Yeah, to they were underdogs, the States were yeah. underdogs. Uh, not that they were favored over Canada in 2010, but it was a little more even footing than than we found uh, ourselves in, in I 2002. I remember, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, my memory is that 2006 was like the transition year. Right. Because like 2002, if I remember correctly, I think Lemieux was on that team. And Sackick, and it was like their last hurrah. That is correct, Lemieux and Sackick were on that team. That and then, 2002 team is unbelievable. Canada trying to hang on and get a break. It's going to be a break. It is Joe Sackick. Scores. Joe Sackick. Scores. And that makes it 5-2 Canada. Surely that's got to be it. Take a look at the Canadian bench. If you don't, mean what I say, that's more than enough. 
Sackick beats Leclerc to the net. The American defenseman fell in the center zone to give the one step Joe Sackick needed to get in alone and make sure that Canada won the game. Yeah, a taste of the 2002 roster is you have Belfort, Brodeur, and Joseph in net. Uh, you got, you know, like as you said, you had uh, Lemieux, you had Sackick. Uh, you had Lindros, and then you had, you had Paul Correa, Owen Nolan, Drew McGinley, guys like Shanahan, Iserman, uh, McInnes, Brewer, Blake, Niedermeyer, Pronger, Jovanovski, Adam Foote, uh, with Pat Quinn behind the bench. Hard to get much better than that. And I feel like I I remember the narrative of 2006 being like, who's going to take, like, who is the torch being passed to? Like, Sid was, I think, on the team? No. No, he wasn't. He was not, and I think that was sort of a. It was sort of a conversation. Is like he, nineteen-year-old Sidney Crosby, probably does deserve to be on this team, but I don't even know if he, you know, it was the he hadn't earned it was sort of the conversation. Right, and I think, but he was already like the best player in the world. Yeah, absolutely right. But I do remember that it was like a lot of old vets that just like weren't going to do it anymore. Yeah, it was Shane Doan, Chris Draper, uh, yeah. Todd Bertuzzi. Simone Gagne, uh, Ryan Smith, always on these teams. Ryan Smith, I think, is on Team Canada uh, this year at the Olympics if they played it. <laughs> and Toronto Maple Leafs legend Joe Thornton also on, on all these teams. Yeah, of course, because he's been playing for almost my entire life. <laughs> Anyway, uh, Wayne Gretzky coached that team, if you want to know how disappointingly bad. Uh, Wayne Gretzky, not, not a good hockey coach. Don't know why. And that was, that was also in his, uh, his scandal days, wasn't it? And he was, There's a narrative of whether that was going to be a distraction. <laughs> because we love our narratives when it comes to Canadian hockey. And then he moved into the, I want to say he moved into the press box, right? He was like, a, he was like the GM of this. I think so. Arch- he's one of the architects of the 2010 team. Yeah, him and Iserman, I want to say. Something like that. Um, lots of speculation, as always. Uh, you know, lots of panels and, and boards and, and mock rosters and whatnot uh, leading into this. Um, because, again, not just a chance at Olympic retribution, but we are talking about on home ice. This was in Vancouver. Very important. At the time, I was uh, in my boy, I would have been in my second or third year of working at Sportsnet. And working, no, that's not true. I'd have been in my fourth year, 2010. Uh, I started there at 21. Um, I was in my fourth year of working at Sportsnet, and I got to work uh, on a bunch of Olympic Olympic coverage. And it was, at the time, a big career highlight, uh, sort of being a part of that big engine that whirs out Olympic coverage and Olympic stuff. And, and it being on home soil was a extremely big deal. Even 10 years later now, it seems hard to properly state that the Olympics being in Canada was a huge deal in 2010. Yeah, I wonder... I've been thinking about this when we were prepping for this episode and then now that we're doing it. I'm trying to figure out whether my like detachment from caring about international hockey anymore, if it's like... Because... like If this was like a once-in-a-lifetime kind of scenario, or was this like... Am I just like old and jaded now? Well, I, I I mean I think like I remember this being is the perfect so, I remember being thing. so excited for the roster reveal and like you couldn't pay me to watch that today. Right. Well, from on one, you know, from on one hand you were you were 20 years yeah. old. On the other hand, 
you know, this really is the perfect storm of home ice, perfect age. Uh, Olympic hockey was still in a bit of a novelty because we had had 2002 and nobody really watched as we established for the fifth time here. Nobody really watched 2006 because it was time zone didn't quite match up. Um, it was the perfect roster with the perfect amount of star power. Really, playing at home is a huge deal. And, you know, it was, as we talked about, some of the guys that got left off the 2006 team, the guys that made the 2010 team, it was a dramatic sort of shift into this next wave guys. You had guys like Drew Doughty and Duncan Key, Shea Weber, Sidney Crosby, of course, the big one, uh, Bergeron, your Getzlavs, Heatley, uh, Aginla. Brendan Morrow, uh, somebody has to play on the fourth line. Uh, Rick Nash, of course, <laughs> returning. Richards, Mike Richards, Corey Perry, Eric Stoll, Joe Thornton, as always, Maple Leafs legend. Jonathan Taves, uh, Brodeur, Fleury, and Luongo in net. It's a little more like this was, without a doubt, the best players in the NHL were on this team. There was no yeah. question. Yeah, I don't mean this in any disrespect. So obviously, he had a wonderful career and made the Olympic team. But, like, there was no, like, Chris Draper here. right. Like this team yeah, your was closest like, thing to Chris Draper was like Brendan Morrow, who was who, a very good player. Who was ridiculous back then. Yeah. But, and I also think, like, we'll get into this in a later episode, but I think that's part of what killed it for me after this, too. We're just, like, they're just too good now. Right. Well, it would be interesting to see, you know, it, it, it is, like, the World Cup of Hockey, for all the shit that it took, like, Team North America was super-duper fun, and now... Like, losing Olympic hockey in the most recent go-round and not knowing if it'll be there the next time around. Like, there are certain things that we're not going to get that we did get. Like, we're probably never going to get Crosby and McDavid on the same team, right? We there's the, we could have had that. We legitimately could have had that, and that we're probably not going to get that. So this was mm. an opportunity for us to see things we were never going to see. But it was the beginning of this new generation of Canadian hockey players, that's for sure. Yeah, I think that's... I think that's probably true. An incredible note here that seems impossible. TSN uh, broadcast the selection of the tournament live, and the roster was announced in front of 4,000 fans in, in December 20, 2009. That's impossible. It's our pleasure to introduce Canada's goaltenders for the men's Olympic hockey team. From Montreal, Quebec, Martin Brodeur. From Montreal, Quebec, Martin Brodeur. Sorel, Quebec, Marc-André Fleury. De Sorel, au Québec, Marc-André Fleury. From Montreal, Quebec, Roberto Luongo. De Montreal, Québec, Roberto Luongo. Ladies and gentlemen, hockey fans, mesdames et messieurs amateurs de hockey, vos gardiens de but d'équipe Canada, your Team Canada goaltenders. Right? Like, that's what I mean about the hype for Team Canada hockey at the Vancouver Olympics was beyond anything that I think could ever happen again. Mm -hmm. Like, this is early days of things like Twitter, early days of social media. It was, it, I kind of do feel like this was just like a once in a lifetime scenario that happened to kind of fall the right way. It was the perfect storm. It was yeah. exactly 
it was exactly uh, the right roster at exactly the right time playing in exactly the right city. Um, super hyped for this tournament. Um, it was unquestionably the crown jewel of the tournament. I think it came right at the end. I think it was. The, um, I think it was literally the very last event. I'm pretty sure it was right because it was the same day as the closing ceremonies, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Yeah, you're right because the closing ceremonies were at night, and this game started. I want to say at like noonish, one p.m. Yeah, it was definitely an after, definitely an afternoon game. Uh, I remember that very well. And also, like, if if I remember correctly, I believe it was also for which country would win the most gold medals. Right. Something I think like, that. The, like it was. All of the elements together are like, like nobody, like I've always, I don't know how I feel. I mean, I don't care, but I also don't know like where I land on the, does most golds quote unquote win the Olympics or does most total medals. Mm-hmm. But regardless of where you land on that discussion, there was an element of Canada quote unquote winning the Olympics on home soil in men's hockey. Yeah. Like it's, Truly, we'll never see something like that again. Your captain, Scott Niedermeyer, Pronger, Crosby, and Aginla, your alternates. Remember those last two names? They come they come in handy. Uh, games were played, and interesting note from Jake here, the games were played at Canadian Hockey Place, which is GM Place, which is now Rogers Arena? Rogers Center? Rogers Place? Something like that. It's a Rogers building, because you can't have sponsor names in the Olympics. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that either until just now. In a rare moment of, you know, getting to be frontrunners in, in in sports in our lives uh, it was gold or bust for sure yeah and we'll see how they do on that track we will dig into it and start the tournament in the next episode of sports about story time yeah.